welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history, taken from the definitive AEW match guide lists as voted by wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice, support the podcast financially on Red Circle, and make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, and the Grave Consequences Podcast that cover all aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest for today is one of the original guests on the show here. He is a writer for Pro Wrestling Musings and a video creator at Elo Wrestling on YouTube. It's Gareth. And we're looking at the Young Bucks versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the AEW Tag Team Titles at Double or Nothing 2021. How are you going today, Gareth? I'm not too bad. Excited to get into this. One of my favourite matches in AEW in wrestling history. One of my favourite matches ever. So um, very excited to talk it over. And yeah, I mean we're speaking a little bit before this about revisiting um, this match. It was a lot of fun and. So I'm just in a good mood, a good place. One of the best places I've ever been in terms of wrestling was this match and revisiting it was great. So, yeah, all good. Man. Yeah, I guess that kind of answers my next question, which was just going to be <laughs> simply, why did you pick this match? Um, it's it'll probably no surprise to the listeners uh, who know that I love John Moxley who know that I've come to very much love the Young Bucks and who know that I've come to love Eddie Kingston, that I am also a, a giant fan of this match. So I was very happy um, when you very early in the piece kind of called dibs on this one. And I'm glad we finally got around to to talking about it. So you said this is like the happiest you've been watching wrestling. Yeah, no, just because I mean the match and like the build up to this match, I really liked anyway, not just the feud itself, but the, the story between Eddie and Mox and then the Young Bucks heel turn as well, all that kind of then fed into this. Um, so that was great anyway, and the match was great anyway and stuff. But the fact that it was on the show with the first, you know, full crowd back and it just felt like wrestling was back at that point. Um, and, you know, we've gone on to have what everything has happened since, which, you know, some people might argue is better. But it's one of those things where, like, in those moments, I... I I, you know, took a moment to be like, this is, I, I, need, I need to appreciate this now because this is, I've been waiting for this for, I don't know, what, how long has it been? Like over a year. Um, so, yeah, it was like the happiest I've been watching wrestling, not just because of how great the match itself was, but like everything else that went around it, the world situation and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, so that is why, like, when it came to this match, it's a match I hold very, very dear to my heart, much like Cody versus Dustin as well. Those two are matches which I've, I think are like special. And I've got a weird little ownership over them where I'm like, so that's probably why I called dibs on this very early because like, I want that one. Like, I don't want anyone else <laughs> talking about that. That's my match. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's like, it's just, it's a very, very special match to me. So that that'll be why I picked it. Yeah. Well, I guess apologies that I didn't have you on for uh, Dustin versus Cody as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I can't have everything. Kind of yes yeah that was that was a special one for my friend the doc and uh but i'm yeah as i said i'm i'm really excited to 
to talk about this match as well. I just echo everything you've said to a bunch of wrestlers that I really love. Uh, it's a great, great build up that incorporates a lot of things I like about wrestling. Uh, and yeah, of course, Double or Nothing 2021. Um, I've had a friend, Rich, actually, Rich Ladder, who's been on this podcast a number of times and is on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. He called it like being – he was there live, and he said it was like a religious experience. Uh, cool. And, you know, I, I can't say it was – I am a religious man. I can't say this was a religious experience, <laughs> but it was certainly a massive high, an absolute yeah. rush of a show, uh, and that adds a lot to this match as well. So let's get let's get stuck into it. Uh, and as we always do here on the AEW Match Guide podcast, we will give the match its flowers – Dave Meltzer, Big Papa Dave, he gave it 5.75 of the big ones. The coward, the coward didn't give it five. (laughs) Cage match currently rated at 8.61. And when we did the definitive, the first version of the definitive match guide list, this match came in ninth. So it is a match that is held in quite high regard, um, critically by people in the community. And it's one that people remember very well. Uh, Of course, it, it, is a, a match that sort of spirals off a number of different things. Uh, of course, you have um, Kenny Omega and John Moxley in their championship feud that brought incorporated elements of the elite. Uh, and you've also got John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, who came out of a big rivalry that they had in the lead up to full gear, finally reuniting at the end of that um, at the end of that exploding barbed wire death match um, between Moxley and Omega. Um, Gareth, I just want to get your opinions on, I guess, the things that set the table for this program between the Bucks and uh, and Moxley and Omega. Uh, what did you think of the the Kenny, sorry, the uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley stuff, and then also what did you think of the Omega and Moxley stuff that happened directly afterwards? It's <clears throat> the Moxley and Eddie Kingston story is one of my favourites in wrestling history i'll probably say stuff like that a lot like a lot of hyperbole or whatever because like how much i love this and like every, everything that set it up and then the match itself and you know how i feel afterwards and stuff like that i'll probably say stuff like like that like so if you think it's i'm going overboard fair enough but mm-hmm. um in terms of eddie kingston and moxley like i think with like wrestling storytelling and stuff a lot of people get very caught up in you know uh week-to-week stuff or whatever and with Eddie Kingston and Moxley it was like they had their feuds they kind of went off did their own things but like the moment Eddie then came out to save Moxley it probably would have been a lot better if the explosion hadn't been such a disaster but <laughs> but um that's a given that is an absolute yeah. of course but they had they had built the um the tension so much in in that match and leading up to that explosion at the end that it was like someone needs to come and do something. Who's going to come and do anything? And then the fact it was Eddie Kingston, someone that Mox had been feuding with and stuff, um, it was kind of like made no sense, but it also made the most sense because in that feud they had before, you knew they had the respect between them. And, you know, it was more about the title and like petty issues. But you knew like that history and that um, that respect between them was there. So it wasn't like it was out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things. It's like what I really love about wrestling storytelling is the moments where it goes, oh, that makes sense. I didn't think of that or and stuff like that. And that was exactly what like Eddie coming to save Mox was. It wasn't like, a, oh, I knew this was coming and this is a story they built for months or whatever. It was a that makes complete sense 
as a character to go and do something like that. Um, and then obviously had their the promo where they had to try and save the explosion on the <laughs> dynamite after, which was just like, it was very funny, but it was also very, it was a very good way of doing it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I want to see these guys together as a tag team. And I, I, it, as soon as they did that promo, I was like, I was sold. I was like, I want these guys as the tag team champions. So obviously then when we get down the line, it's kind of like we get there. I was very, very, very like I've, I've never wanted something so much in wrestling since uh, Daniel Bryan winning at WrestleMania 30, probably like that's, that's how into this I was and into like a specific result. Because a lot of the time I'm like, I'll just appreciate the story, whatever they do and stuff. I'll appreciate the art of it. Enjoy it for what it is. But on this, I was like. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to be really angry if the Young Bucks win, <laughs> mm. which, again, then uh, allows me to move on to the Young Bucks heel turn and stuff like that. Their slow burn heel turn, which obviously culminated when they turned on John Moxley. Mm. Um, that was really good as well from more of a it was again, this is something where it's one of those examples of wrestling stories where they have built something and you knew something was coming. We all knew that was coming. But um, again, they kind of caught me off guard with when it exactly happened because I didn't think it would happen in that way. Um, I thought they'd do something different. I can't remember what I, I probably had an idea of how it should have happened at the time, but I can't remember what that was. But I remember I didn't expect that this to happen wh- where it did until we were in the match. And then it was like, OK. And then when it happened, I was like, that makes sense. Mm. But that was an example of where it was kind of built over time and you knew it was coming. Um, and there's not that again there's nothing wrong with stuff like that I just prefer those moments with like Eddie and Moxie like oh right that makes complete sense and then you can move forward yeah one of the things that I love in wrestling uh and you're right to give Eddie and Moxley and that sort of stuff praise one of the things I love in wrestling is like complex character um complex character motives and and value systems that they've got that kind of really flesh out who these people are and you get a, a real idea of what their characters truly represent. Uh, And also I love shared universe storytelling, which is simply when, you know, different elements of the show sort of blend over into one another. Um, And this is a a mixture of all of those things. Mm. Uh, And and that's one of the reasons I think just in general why I I think 2021 was a really good year for AEW was because with the elite at the centre, with, you know, Omega and the Bucks uh, sort of united together, you you did have a lot of the the stories bleeding together um, because you had just this strong faction at the centre of it. But with Moxley and Eddie, I, I love how the ending of their feud really informs their re, their union because in mm. that feud you've got Moxley sort of saying, "I know who you are, Eddie, um, and I'm going to beat you until." until you remember who you are um, and and until you can remember to get over yourself um, and get over this pride that you've built up and this chip on your shoulder that you've built up because I've been successful and you haven't. Um, I'm still the same person and I need you to be able to see that. Uh, and, and, and they have this intense, really intense match, not just physically, which was very intense physically, but also emotionally for both men um, because it's Eddie having to deal with the fact that he is going to he puts it's such immense pressure on himself um by by bringing his family into it bringing he, the gods of his life in wrestling and and trying to invoke them and putting so much pressure on himself to do this and ultimately failing um but at the end Moxley 
is showing him respect and wants to have show him a sign of respect. And he can't take it at that moment because of mm. course he can't, because he can never take it in the moment. He'll never take those like <laughs> in, in a moment of loss. That is not Eddie Kingston to take that. And he storms off to the back, but he lets it, it sits with him uh, and he can, and, and he ultimately comes to terms with himself over time. And that's what some people need. And then yeah. of course, as you said, he, he rushes out at the end when there's no one left, um, to to save John Moxley except for I always think there's like a a, a director's cut or something of of the Ugh. the uh the match with Sting and Darby Allen with Darby and Sting like flooring it back to Daly's place to try <laughs> and make it there and save save John Moxley mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he yeah, obviously he doesn't get there Eddie is the last yeah. resort you know because Darby Allen's yeah. off in a warehouse so God knows where in parts unknown <laughs> um and he comes out and make and saves and I love how they unite that. And, and obviously Eddie's got over the petty issues that he had. Um, and he remembers the bond and the fellowship that they have. And, um, you know, something with John Moxley, just because of the way his character is, sometimes the best stories are just when, you know, he, uh, someone just earns his respect or like mm. he, he unites with someone, you know, that was also the same in, you know, it was in the shield with the Seth Rollins stuff with, you know, yeah. when they finally reunited, it was such a big deal. And, you know, with the Wheeler Yuta thing that happened, you know, that's, they're on different levels, but when Wheeler yeah. Yuta earned, earned, earned John Moxley's respect, it was one of the most, you know, people love that match so much. It's done so well. Mm. Um, in the definitive match guide list for the second round, um, surprisingly, but it's just because people love, it when people when John Moxley you know like gets a friend or <laughs> um, earns someone's respect uh, because yeah. of the way his character is and, and you know the way those two came together at the end it's very organic and and as I said it, it's a great example of complex characters and, and complex characterization uh, and and as you said it's actually on the Bucks side of things it's actually the Bucks start their heel turn by beating up John Moxley. They had, mm. uh, for those of you who can't remember, there was a, a, ta- a trio's tag match where John Moxley was teaming with the Young Bucks against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. And there was sort of this, at the time, the the Young Bucks weren't completely on board with Kenny, uh, Kenny and the Good Brothers. Uh, and there was this tense relationship, but they were like, we'll work together. Uh, but as the match wore on, they weren't willing to, to I guess, go the whole hog and and to completely take out Kenny Omega, which frustrated Moxley and, of course, led to the Bucks turning on John Moxley and solidifying their heel turn. Uh, they they had a number of matches before they actually fought against Moxley and Kingston. Um, they had one against Pack and Ray Phoenix, one against the Seidel brothers, and a really good one against SCU, uh, and also one against the Varsity Blondes. What did you think, I guess, of the heel turn? You said you liked the heel turn, but also, I guess, like the the Young Bucks work up until the the feud with Mox and Kingston. Yeah, obviously there was that um, Varsity Blondes match, which was just kind of, it was kind of just there. It was fine. You know, the Young Bucks did a, <laughs> their heel stick and, that, you know, it was what it was. It was fine. It was, you know, it was good enough. Um, the Ray, uh, or the, it was Ray Phoenix and Pac, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They they went match, against just about every single iteration of Death Triangle, but that was the one they had before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then obviously they eventually got to the the Lucha Brothers properly. But yeah, yeah. that Ray Phoenix and Pack match in in kind of I guess the build to this pay per view, that was an unbelievable match. So so good. And I remember like they had just had the first half hour of Dynamite just doing that match, which was great. Um, 
but like the young bucks just being the biggest dickheads <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in in that um in that match was just fantastic you obviously had the moment where they ripped off ray phoenix's mask which is just you know it's a very classic young bucks thing to do when they face a luchador it's like guess any kind of heel they always go for the mask don't they mm. um but yeah and that was that was the finish of the match wasn't it they just super kicked him after that um and yeah that was a fantastic match and a really good insight into like who they have become like mm. or not necessarily become because they hadn't completely changed but who they had kind of like reverted to and like mm. there's a great line in the um the package before the mox eddie match at, at the pay-per-view where nick jackson goes uh we haven't we haven't changed maybe our clothes maybe but like nothing else <laughs> it's like there are aspects in which they hadn't changed but obviously they just turned it up and like just became even even more insufferable and then like mm. added in all the cheating and you know all the, the despicableness but it was the match against scu where it's like that really like obviously i know it's like a work and stuff but that actually worked me to some extent because i was just so annoyed partially at aw because they kind of screwed that final SCU run up and that was annoying um but in that match, I was just like, I just hated them so much. Mm. And that really helped inform when we got to Eddie and Mox, me wanting them to win even more. Um, and again, it wasn't that I was like, I, I don't know, since being a child, if a heel's ever like actually worked me to that extent. Because mm. it wasn't that I was bored. I wasn't bored. And when I thought about it objectively, I was like, yeah, I've got no issue with them being tag team champions. They're amazing. And, you know. They, they're very good at what they do as well. And I'm, I'm aware that I'm being worked. But when it came to the matches and stuff, I couldn't help but like just really, really root against them, um, mm. especially in that SCU match. Obviously, in the one against Pac and Phoenix as well. Yeah, Pac and Phoenix. Um, <laughs> and then obviously when it came to Eddie and Mox as well. So those three matches in particular were the ones I really felt that. Mm. Outside, outside of it, those matches, I didn't feel it as much. But those three... Um, especially the SCU one and the Eddie Mox one. Those two are like, mm. for me, in terms of like heel work, some of the best, especially in terms mm. of tag team stuff, that's probably the best heel work I've ever seen in in tag team wrestling. Because mm. um, it, literally, it literally did work me. So, yeah, the build and like the way that the Young Bucks title reign had gone, because they went from just having, uh, they started off with a couple of kind of just fine matches and then they started mm. having better matches. They obviously had the one against... MGF and Jericho as well, but it was kind of like it felt like some it was building it it and mm. I think obviously they obviously lost the titles as well so that was obviously a big crescendo moment but I think it mm. was building to this Eddie and Mox match which was a massive crescendo not just in terms yeah. of the crowd noise and everything like that but the story of the Young mm. Bucks reign as well this was I think the peak um, until they went and lost it which people would say is probably the better mm. match. I might disagree with that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the young, one thing that the Young Bucks are really good at doing uh, is finding the thing they can do that will be completely unforgivable. You know, yeah. in the we talked about in the, the, the opener to this season, the uh, the match against Kenny and the Bucks, uh, Kenny and uh, Hangman, it's doing the golden trigger on Kenny Omega. Um, mm. And that completely turns – the crowd's kind of split up to that point, and that completely turns the crowd against them. Uh, yeah. And, you know, in against Luchadors, it's ripping the mask off. That's just a, <laughs> something that they've, they've incorporated. But, you know, against SCU, it's the blood on the shoe. Um, mm. And and one great thing that they did 
when they did turn heel was they ditched the tassels. They kind of repackaged themselves a little bit and updated their gear and and particularly yeah. the you know they had the Jordans and they've got these fancy <laughs> new pants. Uh, and yeah. against SCU, like him getting pissed off at Daniels for bleeding on his shoe, it, it's yeah. just so unforgivable um, yeah. because he's like more worried about his shoe that is absurdly expensive than you know this man that he's literally broken bread with bleeding uh, on them so yeah it's they're they're really good at finding that you know that completely unforgivable thing and i I agree with you with the scu match particularly that was a that was a brilliant match with a really Mm. emotive performance from both kazarian and daniels as well as you know an unforgivable performance from the bucks as as well uh and i love i love the repackaging what did you just quickly before we get into the um the the direct build for this match what did you think of the repackaging the the new the new outfits because the tassels of course were pretty iconic um that was a big part of their act and the head the bandanas as well what did you think of the flares and the jordans and the kind of sleeping mask things they started wearing or whatever whatever they are (laughs) yeah i think they kind of just had um an attitude of let's do like absolutely everything that's kind of insane like they obviously had the the mustache era as well um (laughs) like they've done so many things like since turning heel which is just like in terms of their gear and their presentation and stuff which i think are just they're they're great because they're funny but they also show like the character underneath and just how Mm. kind of far removed like from reality they are and it just makes them again it just adds to it makes them even more dislikable and it's not like it's you know you can be a great heel without changing your gear or anything. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's one of those NXT things. It's like, I was a baby face, but now I'm a heel, so I'm going to wear black. <laughs> and yep. it's like, okay, right, okay. So you just completely changed. And that was the thing with the Young Bucks. But they're they, like, we're, they're like, wear heels, so we're going to wear every single colour of the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, that, the, the thing is, like, they had always been a bit, like, flamboyant and, you know, out there with, like, the things they would do anyway in terms of their gear and you know how they present but they just turned they were at like a, an eight and they turned it up to like an 11 and just went completely ridiculous with it i can't remember how much of the absolute ridiculousness obviously we had uh the jordans and stuff and that came in uh with the the build as well with like eddie uh, stealing stealing the shoes as well which is great uh that was a great little touch but um I can't remember how how ridiculous they went because again it all kind of bleeds into one. They had the mustaches and like mm. then they've had some ridiculous outfits. Like just I'm just sat there like thinking why why is he worn this? Like every time yeah. the Young Bucks pop up on Dynamite, I've, I've, like Nick Jackson's done something. It's a new particularly their non wrestling outfits like the yeah. the button up shirts and stuff they wear are just yeah, insane. Yeah. And yeah. they're they're very good at you know playing even though not that i don't think they're in the ring what their detractors think they are but they will present themselves as their detractors (laughs) see them and they are more than happy to lean into that a hundred thousand times like you know like they will they their on-screen presentation and characters are when as heels are exactly what their detractors say they are um and even more so which is a is a nice nice twist on i guess how they present themselves in their characters and it works really well because i guess there's such an there's such a discourse out there about them uh and and Mm. they just let that truth sort of sink into what they're doing without it you know i think without it affecting their um ability to be entertaining particularly in the ring as we're going to talk about um we do need to get into the actual build for this match yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of have been getting into it because as i said this is a a thing this was a, a program that actually you know was a great example of shared universe storytelling they they turned 
and and complex characterization because they initially turned um, when they were facing Mox and that was sort of the end of Moxley's program with Omega and he transitioned over to facing the Bucks. But the you know when that did happen, Mox and Eddie united together as a team started pulling like double and triple duty wrestling on you know like dynamite dark dark elevation they probably would have done rampage if rampage was on at that point just to get their win numbers up um and then they started directly targeting the the bucks um they destroyed their locker room they rammed their bus with a a truck uh and later on you know beat them up in in post-match and as you mentioned stealing their shoes um you know it's pretty simple uh what they were doing i to get the Bucks' attention and get under their skin, but uh, it was pretty effective stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, the way I thought about this at the time was kind of like, or maybe not exactly at the time, but like shortly afterwards, I remember thinking, like, people use the term sports entertainment and it doesn't actually mean anything. Like, it's just a, a thing that Vince made up and so that he could sell to advertisers easier. But, like, what people have come to know sports entertainment to be, like the WWE style, kind of over-the-top characters and stuff like that, mm-hmm. They mesh that so well with like traditional pro wrestling storytelling, because mm. at the heart of this, there is like, you know, there's that whole thing with uh, Eddie and Mox, their story that came, that came into that we've already spoken about. Um, and they're kind of reunite uh, or uniting in AEW, not reuniting in AEW, but reuniting from their time on the Indies and stuff like that. Mm. Um, their relationship as, you know, outside of AEW mm. um, on it came on screen. Uh, and then you had like the Young Bucks heel turn, which is kind of just traditional pro wrestling uh, storytelling, you know, that you get heels of baby faces. And when we get into the match itself, which I'll talk about this later, but it is a very classic heel versus baby face dynamic. Mm. Um, but like also on top of all that, like you've got all the, the, the fundamentals, the, the basics, which actually make it good. Um, but they also did those things like the stunts with like the trailer and stuff, which kind of just make it a bit more exciting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with like, I don't think there's anything wrong with sports entertainment. The issue with mm. like a lot of WWE, let's say, uh, for me anyway, is that they don't often back it up with those fundamentals. It's just kind of like, oh, let's do a stunt, like Braun Strowman stuff. It's just like, I'm going to flip cars for no reason. Like, mm. whereas like when you had like Stone Cold back in the day or whatever, he did this ridiculous stuff, but there was those traditional kind of, storytelling elements and underlying everything and that's why i really kind of love this build because it was like ridiculous and simple Mm. um and also the storytelling was fairly simple but it kind of had these um these more complex stories bleeding into it like you said and Mm. that's why i loved it because i think this is just like i said at the time and i got like a few like not abuse but i got like People are just like ramming at me for some reason. Um, you know what Twitter can be like. Because mm. I said, this is like, for me, like perfect pro wrestling storytelling. People are like, oh, this is not the best. I was like, well, no, it's not the best story necessarily. Like there's other individual stories, like Hangman's Art, for example. I look yeah. back on that now. And like that for me is like the, the best. But I don't think that is like, it's not going to appeal to everyone. And mm. I think this is something which, if you watch this feud play out and you know all the context and stuff mm. and you don't enjoy it i don't understand how you're a wrestling fan like because it is just like perfect mm. i think in every way um because again like like i said i'll just just to sum up they had that comedy the, the kind of over tops over the top yeah. stunts over the top characters in the young bucks and then like eddie and mox kind of went a little bit mental as well like they kind of like turned yeah. up to 11 and but then everything underlying was was there as well so 
it was just great i think yeah it's such a great contrast of characters as well and they did mm. that they they played that so well you've got mox and eddie who just do not give a shit about anything <laughs> you know like running their truck into this bus and then you've got the bucks and and you know the rest of the elite as well who are just like these ridiculous prima donnas and you know mm. when they get in the ring they're going to be able to turn it up and get it done but you know they're not they're not street tough whereas eddie and mox they're like you know they'll drink you under the table and well mox not anymore but <laughs> yeah, yeah time and, and then they'll you know and then they'll get in a bar fight uh and you know i and, and some of it was just you know just such rollicking good fun and it was humorous and it was comedic like i remember mm. this after the after they destroyed the bus there was this segment where they're in a they're in a stretch hummer or a stretch limo and they're all Ooh. like all of the elite are packed in there yeah. there's kenny yeah. there's the there's the good brothers with their big dangles yeah yeah don Callis is in there and the bucks are in there and like brandon cutler like pops a champagne bottle or something <laughs> and everyone just freaks out thinking that yeah. mox and eddie are after them again <laughs> and it's hilarious um yeah. You know, with just how they just completely shit their pants. Um, And, you know, and then you've got the great moment of, you know, like Eddie stealing shoes, these ridiculous Dior Jordans or whatever they've got that are, you know, worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And, of course, Eddie steals them after they've laid them out. Um, You know, just this this street thug just does the most street thing ever. And and the crowd love him for it, uh, even though, you know, Theoretically, he's actually stealing the property of these <laughs> ridiculous people um, who've spent a ridiculous amount of money. You know, they it's like these people have have these shoes on. They deserve to have them stolen because <laughs> they cost so much. And they spent so much on these shoes. Um, yeah, it was it was I agree. It was just like a good time. And I get why, you know, like someone who loves the sport of pro wrestling might not mm. be as engaged or, or have as much fun with this. But for me, I, you know, it's it's not trying to be Kenny versus Hangman or yeah. Kenny versus Okada, for example, or even it's not even trying to be like Moxley versus Omega in terms of that was built up as like these two titans of pro wrestling, like come, clashing together, you know, at the peak yeah. of their powers. This is this is something a little bit more um, comedic and a little bit more fun. But, you know, that's a. I, I like that about AEW, and I think that's yeah. that's something that the Young Bucks do very well, and obviously it's something that, that Mox and Eddie were able to play the straight man in a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. No, like, this is like, I guess if, you, if you're if you not a big fan of a lot of the stuff the Young Bucks do, I can understand, like, why, because mm. like, that's not for you. Like, I, there's, there'll be people out there who don't like a comedy film I really like because they're more into other stuff. And for me, like, mm. you know, that's, that's fair, like, I appreciate like, lots of different styles of storytelling within wrestling and ways in which you can present it and stuff. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. But like from like that classic pro wrestling, um, I guess kind of like this is probably like, you know, when people like arc back to the, the Attitude Era and they go, oh, yeah, those are the good old days. I think these were the good old days, but like in just a modern context, like mm. you had, like I said, I've already summed it up, but. You had everything there. You had the comedy and the stunts on top of that, and it was just it was it was all there. Like that is what people missed. Uh, yep. Maybe there weren't as many swear words or quite as much blood or whatever. But like besides that, like everything else, everything else is like exactly what people mm. loved back then. And yeah, so if if you're going for the, that style, let's say, I think they they nailed it. Mm. 
Absolutely. Well, let's get into the match. Um, we've talked about the build. We both loved it. Uh, and we're going to have a lot more positive things to say about the match. Uh, it was, of course, at Double or Nothing 2021 at Daly's Place. The return of crowds. It was the second match on the card. The third match that happened. So there was um, Riho versus Serena Deeb in the opener, which is actually a match that you and I talked about yeah. uh, a number of months ago now. It was a long time ago now, but that's in the yeah. first season of the podcast. If you want to go listen to that. And then, of course, we had Hangman and Brian Cage open the show with a wing to the Cowboy. And then Wild Thing hits and the crowd goes absolutely <laughs> mental. And Mox and Eddie, they charge out. Mox is just so full of energy. He's like throwing chairs around, throwing his water bottle around. Uh, and as they hit the ring, you can see like this giant grin on Eddie's face. It's the first time he was in front of a full crowd in AEW. I'm not sure what his history like. Maybe this is the biggest crowd he's ever been in front of. Uh, I, I don't know 100%, but I, I'd say there's probably a good chance it was. Uh, and yeah. they are loving it. The crowd is rolling with them. Uh, what a, a couple things. Firstly, what a great moment in wrestling. Just the good time yeah. that this was, the energy, the vibe. And also, I've got a question for you about Wild Thing. Uh, this is probably the first time we've spoken about Wild, um, Moxley and since he adopted Wild Thing as his theme, as his intro. What do you think about the song and what did you think about this intro? The, the song, like, when I first, like, heard it, like, I was like, I, so I didn't know the his, history with um, I forget the guy's name, the Japanese Nita. Yeah, I, so I didn't know the history about that initially. Um, and obviously when they first used it, which I think was with Nagata, is that yep, right? Yeah, and they played the original version. Yeah, of the song. they used yeah. they used a different version, and mm. I was fine. I, I I thought it was an upgrade because I don't know. When I look back now, because I've watched a couple of John Moxley's matches matches like recently um, from like before when he had the old song. I, I I don't know why I didn't like it because you know it is it is good and it is it does bring back good memories for me, but like at the time I was like oh they need to get a new song for for Mox so I was happy that they got a new song, but then it was when this happened I was like okay this is bit, I was wrong this is a great song I I wasn't necessarily saying it was bad I was just like oh, I don't really see the huge fuss because a lot of people were like really really excited by this I was like okay I get that a, a legend used it but it doesn't mean Moxley has to use it mm. and then I saw this and I was sold I was like oh yeah. When you add in the walking through the crowd and everything like that that he can do, it's just it's great I think and mm. like the wild thing it just kind of it perfect it perfectly encapsulates what Moxley is he is a wild yep. thing. Um, so those are kind of like my my thoughts on like the song itself like and especially with time like watching it happen with um what do they call the match at Double or Nothing this year um, the crazy one the Saving, Anarchy in the Arena that, yeah that's it that's it. Watching that with that that song as well, that made me love it even more. So now I'm fully, fully sold. I'm like, you can't take it away now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this this entrance for me, I think like it might be my favorite entrance ever. Um, I can't really think of one that I loved anywhere near as much. So I guess like at least right now, I can't think of anything better. Um, maybe I have to have a think about that. But I think this is like just for various reasons again because I was so happy whilst watching this show anyway, and then when this when this when the theme song hit and then they walk out uh, uh, that was probably like the peak for me that was like yes they're gonna win <laughs> i was like fully <laughs> fully invested in it um so that helps as well but i think just even objectively like crowds are back it's a great song 
they're walking out the crowd are going wild they're going through the crowd which always helps when like mm. you know because uh, you kind of get to I don't know, an entrance, like, some people, some of them are really, really boring. Um, and it's just like, okay, fair enough, get to the ring, get on with the match. But, like, it's something you can really make something out of, like, a spectacle or whatever. Like, mm. for example, some people, someone will probably say Undertaker's WrestleMania whatever entrance is their favourite. Mm. And I, I can understand that because the, some of those are genuinely really chilling. Um, and then maybe someone loves the John Cena ones because, you know, some of the WrestleMania entrances, they go really big. Mm. But for me, this, like... There was no fan. They didn't go really big. It was just a great song charging through the crowds, throwing those shoes all over the place. Moxley like left them. So he had to go back and get them. Like so many <laughs> things about it. Like it felt like chaotic and it was mm. exactly it set the tone for the match, I think, perfectly. And like I remember thinking like rewatching it because I, I was like, I remember this entrance. I've watched the entrance loads of times since the match because it's just like such a great memory. But I remember thinking when I was rewatching it this time, I was like. I can't remember what the Bucks do, because surely they'd have to try and top it. And I think they probably just went like, we're not going to top it. We'll just come out and they do our thing and just be pricks because we're not mm-hmm. going to top that pop. They they knew like people would go wild for it. Um, so, yeah, the entrance. And I think that really set the tone for the match, like I said. And it just it, it just kind of bleeds into it. I mean, the Young Bucks didn't mm-hmm. even finish their entrance but by the time the match started. Mm-hmm. So because <laughs> they got attacked. But yeah. Um, yeah, like the entrances together, mm. well, that entrance and then the end of the Young Bucks entrance really set the tone and just, oh, it was just fantastic. Yeah, a couple of things that I'll say. Firstly, I'll never stop beating the drum. Wild Thing is perfect for John Moxley and it has become yeah. perfect, but I'll never stop beating the drum for two songs. One, I Want to Be a Dog by the Stooges and two, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap by ACDC. That would be my picks, but Wild Thing yeah. is still perfect also perfect um as well as those two songs (laughs) would be uh other entrances that i've liked more there's two i can think of off the top of my head and and that's pretty rare company right like actually three three one is actually onita um he's actually going out to an exploding barbed wire death match this same version of wild thing is playing in the background uh and as he's walking out he's got a chair and he pull he he puts the chair down in the middle of the entrance sits down on it and smokes a cigarette pulls out a cigarette and <laughs> yeah, smokes I've seen that. it I've seen that. so badass incredible yeah. another one would be stone cold on the way to the ring in wrestlemania 19 and what mm. they do is the camera follows him um and you get a shot from the behind him the whole time as he walks to the ring uh and it I don't know, the way that it frames him and the rest of the arena is just so incredible to me, and I love mm-hmm. that entrance. Uh, and then one in AEW that that just always sticks out in my mind will be the Hangman Page um, when he teamed with the Dark Order against the Super Elite. Um, yeah. in a, a few months beyond this, and they had that big epic entrance um, with the the remixed version of his song, uh, yeah. which was was very evocative. But I love this as well. John Moxley coming through the crowd. He's a man of the people. And as a viewer at home, you get to feel like you're part of the this throng of people as you go through the crowd. He is a chaotic person in the ring. And you do that element of chaos because he's coming through the crowd. You you know, the crowd's kind of going nuts as he comes out. So it, it fits very well. And another thing I loved in this is there was no pause between the theme songs. They just like – and, and it, it added to the energy even and the way the crowd yeah. turned because – wild thing was still playing and then you just heard that opening guitar line from the the young bucks theme yeah. and it just 
the crowd immediately turned. It felt it felt like a rock concert. And as you said, streamers go off. And as the streamers go off, Mox and Eddie jump the Young Bucks. Uh, and, you know, we're immediately into, like, this violent, chaotic thing. Eddie's going after Nick in the ring. Mox is, like, stuffing streamers in Matt's mouth on the outside <laughs> and then choking him with his shirt. The the pattern of the match is a stat. This is before the, the bell even goes, even though there's, like, all this chaos going on. The pattern of the match is actually established in the opening minutes um, with – Nick leaving Eddie, he kind of deals with Eddie, but but leaves Eddie and goes to double team Mox with Matt, uh, and that gets them the advantage uh, over the solo guy before Eddie then kind of like comes and dives in. There's this wonderful shot of him running across the ring and and diving to save John Moxley. What did you think of the start, uh, and I guess how it sort of introduced that pattern of the match? Yeah, the I mean, like I said, like as soon as they. Like they didn't wait for the entrance to stop. They get into it, and I think that was great. Again, it just kept that energy high. People, like this was just like one of those things. You know when people speak about like, oh, you're just doing things for like a crowd reaction or whatever, and you know you're doing spots or whatever. I feel like just high energy stuff. Obviously, you can't do it for like a full show. It just wouldn't work. And also, you do. I, I like the things that think matches that kind of you know peak and then go down and then peak again. Like. I appreciate different things, but this was just like, it felt like, I can't remember how long the match is, but it's just like, whatever, 20 minutes of whatever it is. And it's just like pure adrenaline. And over over the course of it, like, um, Eddie just, well, both of them just kind of get beaten down more and more and more. And like you said, it's very early in the match, they kind of established that thing. Like, And that's, when you talk about like the psychology of it, I think of like, the Young Bucks have come in thinking, right, these guys are going to brawl with us. We need to try and team up and pick them apart kind of systematically. Whereas like <laughs> Mox and Eddie, there is no strategy. It's like, we're, we're going out there. We're going to just attack them. Um, and that's exactly, you see that strategy within like the first couple of minutes. Um, so that's great as well. Like it's not necessarily even just a thing of um, of just understanding the match psychology. It's just like the, the heels don't, they don't care about like, uh, you know, they just want to get out basically. There's a great moment mm. I don't think it's actually that early, but again, this whole match kind of just blurs into one. Mm. Um, but there's a great moment where they hit the uh, Meltzer driver on the outside, and Don Callis is like, that's fine, we'll win by count out. It's like, they could have just brought him back into the ring and tried to win it, but they, they don't care. They genuinely just want to get out of there like as yep. uh, as as quick as they can, Like, <laughs> but they know they have to kind of go through this match. Um, but, and Don Callis on commentary was a, a great uh, was great as well, because like Don Callis is so good as a heel commentator, because um, he'll put over like everything is going on like he'll put over the baby faces and stuff with his fear that like something could yeah. happen yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah but then at the same time he's like acting like nothing could ever happen and it's yeah. like a lot of people a lot of commentators like for example like WWE love to have a heel commentator I remember Michael Cole back in the day would try and do that but it was just so obvious and I'm not you know Michael Cole is is a good commentator in ways let's say but I don't think that suited him uh, but Don Callis is just in that aspect of commentary. He might be the best that I've ever seen because like he's just and he's such a prick as well. Like if mm. if Jericho's commentary can ever get to that level, like which I do think it can. Like I think I think obviously now he's still an on-screen character, so we won't get into the Jericho conversation. But like Jericho could become could become that basically, and it just takes a bit of like peeling yourself back and allowing yourself to look like a complete idiot. Because that's what that's what Don Callis does so well. So his commentary like really enhanced it as well for me. 
But yeah, they were just. I love just on Don Callis. I love how he sell, sells the peril. That there is best yeah, moments. Yeah. Um, like in yeah. the main event of this match, um, with Omega, Page, and Cassidy, there's this moment yeah. where he just goes shit, shit, shit. And it just like cuts off. Yeah. It's so good. It's so perfect. But I will say there are probably some Bobby Heenan and uh, Jesse Ventura fans who are, are screaming yeah. at right now, yeah. saying that Alice is better than those two. But uh, <laughs> it's be- best I've seen. I have I have seen them, yeah. but like I've not watched loads yeah. of that older he, stuff he's um, very so, good though. yeah 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 for sure um and I, yeah like i say there's probably lo- loads of great commentators in that aspect but from what i've seen like he's he does it really well let's just put it like that mm, absolutely um, but yeah no back to my original point like you you kind of saw that strategy for from the young bucks and i mean the lack of strategy i guess from eddie and mox and stuff and there mm. was another point i think it was you know relatively early as well um Mox is in the ring and Eddie's kind of and they're kind of double teaming him and, and Eddie's there waiting for the tag and like Jim Ross is screaming come on ref get get them out get them out there get them out the ring they're, they're cheating blah 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 and at first I thought why doesn't Eddie just go in there and do something about it because that's kind of what he would do but also then part of like part of this story is that they're trying to like they are trying to beat them up and, and beat them and stuff but also part of it is that like they are the good guys and they are and they know that they are and they're trying to be more even though like you've got the things of like um stealing the uh the shoes and stuff like that they are still very aware that they are the good guys and i don't know there's like a pride within them where it's like i don't i'm not we're gonna beat you without having to do that kind of thing Mm. um and that's because we we dislike you for these reasons, so we're not going to stoop to that le- those levels. Even though it was like it's counteracting their kind of the, I, I don't know I don't know whether I'm just making excuses for what is maybe potentially a bit of a plot hole within the match. Mm. Why doesn't Eddie just go in and beat them up? Or if that is actually a good point that I've made and it's like yeah that is actually kind of the point to it. That's what I kind well, of viewed from it anyway. So I do want there was this wildness to them. There was also mm. like a pride to it as well. But yeah, go I, ahead. I do want to bring up the criticism of this match. I wanted to bring it up early because there is, at the time that this match happened, we both loved it, obviously, but there was mm. a very heavy critique of this match by some some people um, who really disliked the way, you know, th- this was, there was a lot of traditional back and forth, um, but this was a very, I guess, heel-dominated match. The Bucks mm. managed to isolate and they double-teamed moxley and eddie effectively and that's was the pattern of the match um and they're able to to win by doing that however the critique of it was that the referee was giving them too much rope uh and allowing Mm. them to both be in the ring taking you know double teaming their opponent when there should have been only one person in at any given time uh, and yeah. that the referee wasn't enforcing the rules as they should have. And for some people, they said that brought that broke their immersion in the match. Uh, there should have been a, a disqualification or, or some more laying down of the rules. Uh, and they they were saying, you know, what is the point of having rules um, when you weren't? And Mox and Eddie weren't given that same rope. There is a moment, actually, where I think it's Moxley tries to get in to save Eddie and Rick mm. Knox gets in the road when, you know, the Bucks have been in the ring with impunity um, for much of the match. 
Yeah. As I said, we're both fans of this match, but I did want to get your opinion on the criticism um, and I guess why it doesn't necessarily pull you out of the match as it did some people who I think in good faith were were giving a, a fair point on this match. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an invalid criticism at all because... Um, because like I, I can I can I can completely understand it. One thing maybe if we're talking about if I the one thing they could have still had the match they had, but maybe improved that is just have a moment where Rick Knox says, You've got to get out of the ring now, I've given you too much, blah 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 and then they just go like we don't care and then it's like I'll disqualify you and then you have like Eddie or Mock just go, Don't you dare disqualify them, that's what they want. Mm. And then then you kind of just justify every everything that happens mm. within it. Yeah. I can kind of like pretend that that happened in my head because like, I want to like the match kind of thing. Mm. But like if they had actually gone and done that immediately, then those criticisms that are like kind of rubbish because it's like they did address that point and it's like the ref can't hold them to account because Eddie and Mox won't allow them to him to because mm. they don't. And yeah, it's, it's but also it's one of those things that I can kind of like with uh, MGF, the refs know that he's going to do certain things and they know the baby face is not mm. going to be happy if, uh, they disqualify them and like uh, Excalibur sometimes or Tony Schiavone sometimes points out like because Jim Ross often complains about this kind of thing they uh, <laughs> they often point out like um, we don't want this match ending in uh, disqualification so the referee's being very lenient I agree with what he's doing but you know he needs to get more control maybe they say something like that uh, I can't remember exactly if they said anything like that throughout this match specifically but I know I've heard that um, before so there, there's also like a thing when it comes to AW tag team matches that I kind of just accept <laughs> that the refs are mm. going to be very lenient. So again, like I, I'm not saying everyone necessarily has to do that because I do understand the criticism and I do think like if they had done a moment where the where the Bucks are like I don't care, we don't care, disqualify us, go ahead, it would have only enhanced it because then it's like oh you really see like these guys just want to get out of it. They really yeah they really don't care and they're doing everything in their power like they're willing to just cheat because if they get disqualified, who cares, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah. And I like the fact that they don't obviously go to the extent of like, um, and again, some people might say this is a bit of a plot hog. So they really cared, didn't care that much. They would just hit him with the chair and then let the ref see it. Um, but then I don't know, even if they did that, maybe the ref would just, again, it comes back mm. to that thing of maybe the ref sees what they're trying to do and goes, and then the partner goes, don't you dare disqualify. So it, there's so many like different wrestling Irish whips are a plot hole. There's so many plot holes and little things where it's like you could pick holes in matches like um, within wrestling because it isn't yeah. <laughs> it isn't real. Um, so, yeah, I understand that criticism and I do think it's mm. fair, but it, it didn't break my immersion because I can make up excuses and reasons for what happened, because this is how AEW do their tag team wrestling, you know. Um, and, and so that's just why for me personally. Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because that is something that people say a lot, and sometimes I think it's it's not fair. Sometimes mm. I think they're just being pedantic because they don't necessarily like the Young Bucks or they don't like AEW. Yeah. But in in this case, I saw it from people who, like, I know are good faith critique. Mm. Like, they have good faith critiques, and, and for them they were saying that, and that was something that they legitimately felt. For me – the reason it didn't work, I, I never thought about it from your perspective with the, like, I guess the meta, the, the elements of the story where the young bucks actually want to get disqualified and they yeah. don't care if they get disqualified because they just want to escape the beating. I, I kind of just see this match as a, di a complete, the most, almost the most pure distillation I've ever seen of 
a team versus two individuals. Um, mm. You know, Eddie and John Moxley. Uh, John Moxley is the most protected singles wrestler in AEW, uh, and and Eddie Kingston is a a top singles act. Um, even at this point, where I think he's come a long way in you know the year or so since this um mm. this match uh, as a singles act. But even at this point, he is he is a top singles act, and in any combination of the this in singles you know moxley versus matt or nick or eddie versus matt or nick they will have their way quite comfortably with the with matt or nick but because matt and nick are a team they are able to work better together more cohesively than these two individuals who even though they do have a bond and emotional uh and they're on like an emotional and uh uh a bond of friendship i guess they aren't on the same page as an act necessarily, and they aren't as fluent mm. together as an act. Uh, and the young bucks together are able to overcome, split up and overcome these two, I guess, individuals who they wouldn't be able to overcome otherwise because they work together. And that's the, mm. that's kind of the pattern of this match. That's the psychology of the, this match. And that's kind of the story of this match that they're telling um, that, you know, together the young bucks are unstoppable um, mm. because they're able to beat the most, you know, the, the most dominant person in this company, the most dominant single star in this company together, they are able to take him out um, where even Kenny Omega wasn't, wasn't able to do it by himself. Um, yeah. And and because that's the story of the match, this thing with disqualifications it didn't matter to me. Like it, yeah. that's why I I that's I guess why it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but I do think it's a fair critique of this match in in some ways. But for yeah. me, it just didn't didn't happen. And and obviously that as I said, it was a thing that divided people. And you know there was lots of people on either side. So uh, yeah, let's let's move on from that. Uh, and let's let's get into some of the sort of, I guess some of the more fun things I wanted to talk about like <laughs> the some of the fun character things in this match because this is four guys who are just so completely dialed into the characters that they're playing and that they're wrestling as um you know there's a, a number of different uh a number of different like things that they do little interactions they have I think my favorite is uh either the bucks doing their shield parody yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> which you know co- actually causes Moxley to psych up. They you know do a, a do a fake shield power bomb. Mm. Uh, and but I think my favorite is um, Matt gets onto the face side because of course they you know only recently yeah. turned only recently turned heel. And you've got this brilliant thing in Darby's place where they've had face and heel sides. I guess not just of the entrance tunnel, but where they stand on in the in the uh, in the match and. Yeah. Matt goes over to the face side, tags himself in, cheers Eddie on, um, and <laughs> then does like this Hulk Hogan-esque like power up yeah. and power slam gesture. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliantly prickish, and the crowd just completely boo him and and just yeah. absolutely hate it. But it, as I said, like these guys do things that are completely unforgivable. Um, they do things that are complete, like they're prima donnas, they're showmen and they do things that are unpredictable. And for me, that was like, that was it in this match. What about yourself? What are the, what are the sort of the, um, the character moments that you, you just love in this match? <laughs> I literally picked out that one as, as one of the ones I'd like yeah. <laughs> had to speak about. Cause like it was, it's hilarious moment. Um, and like you said, like, the Young Bucks know how to get those little moments and they know their audience so well. They know like, 
oh, who can we kind of rib on? And, like, obviously, we can rib on the Shield because of mocks and stuff like that. But, like, Hulk Hogan is that, like, we're talking about, like, the sports entertainment elements earlier. Hulk Hogan is, like, the epitome of that kind mm. of, you know, that thing. And it's also great as well because they said um, they said about Mox, oh, you're the guy from over there, the other place, like, you're from that place. Eddie, you know, like, that was the thing they kind of tried to use to kind of, I guess, I don't know if they were trying to use it to, like, split them up or if, whether it was just a, a snide a jab, but it was, like, trying to be like, oh, you, t- you guys couldn't be more different. Trying to, like play into like their kind of rivalry they had just months earlier um so then to like bring out hulk hogan in the in the actual match along with that fake tag kind of spot that they do they do quite often as um as heels but like to then add add that hulk hogan thing on on top of it was just like cherry on the cake Mm. um for me like what you're saying earlier about like the team versus individuals is like obviously that's spot on that was like the story of the match but like Within, within that, like, you had these really, really great hot tags. Eddie had one, mm. and Mox had one. Um, Moxley came in, and, like, he'd, like, he'd throw in, like, lariats and all sorts all over the place. He just, like, ragdolls them around when he yeah. gets his bag. suplexes, like, and then he... Throwing them. Yeah, and then he hits, like, a pile driver on both of them and goes to the pin on one of them. Um, but, like, that was just, like, again... I was speaking earlier about like this was like Wild Thing was the perfect song to set this up because this match was just like wild kind of throughout. Mm. Even in those moments where the Young Bucks were being more um, calculated and stuff, it was still kind of like very high offense. And even though it was like it, it was a very obvious they they come in with a plan. The others were kind of the more wild ones. Uh, Mox and Eddie were the more wild ones. It was still wild to an extent just because like that was just the atmosphere um, mm. and within that it just had so many moments where like different characters uh, poked out so we mentioned like uh the matt jackson where moxley had his his moment eddie had multiple moments throughout which i really really liked like there were moments where he physically couldn't do anything to stop them because he'd been like so beat his leg had been so beat up which is another thing about this match like i remember like at which the time, was just just quickly because you did mention before like why didn't eddie or mox jump in like they they successfully sold on the outside enough that yeah. like they couldn't jump in for each other necessarily, um, yeah. be, and and Eddie's leg was a big part of that. But go on. Yeah, no, exactly. And, but there were like and there were moments from Mox as well, like you said, like where he was on the outside and like and those those were moments that like really really uh, I was already behind these guys. I was just getting more and more and more invested um, as the match went on through throughout those moments. And then, but I think my favorite match or the, my favorite moment of the match is Eddie Kingston's hot tag because that comes after so much of this kind of buildup of like they've be, been beaten down mm. on Mox so much to that point. Eddie had been struggling with his leg on the outside, and any time he got in to try and do anything, they just kicked his leg or they went mm. on the outside and just like put him back down again. It's like again, he, he he kind of felt powerless, and I was like, oh, they're going to do a thing where they just completely isolate Mox, blah blah blah. And that is, but then that this kind of hot tag comes out of nowhere, uh, which obviously had, but they have been building to. But as a fan watching at the moment, in the moment, I was just like, it was genuine, just like relief, like yes, they're gonna do it now. And that's exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want to um, bring out of me as 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 a fan. Um, mm. And I, I again, it was just like it's just suplexes, like hitting them all over the place, like it's just, it was just wild. Like there's no real like. Mm incredible spot to it but like the moment itself was kind of the spot i guess um mm. 
And that is just like, again, that I would be surprised if I've ever watched a moment of wrestling where I had where I was happier mm. <laughs> than I was in that moment when Eddie Kingston had the hot tag just because it was just yeah. like it had been built to. But and then when it came and, in, it was just like electric. And they sell so all four of these guys sell so well for this this match. And I think that's what makes this match so good. You know, mm. like Mox and Eddie, their struggle um, they're selling as they're getting beaten down by these two like little, it's like two little mosquitoes just like pick 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 pick, mm. and and eventually they just get like taken down by them. But then like the way Matt and Nick just like ragdoll themselves around when you know when Mox gets his tag in, when Eddie gets in, there's even like this moment where I think Eddie's got Matt in a stretch plum and Nick punches him in the face and just completely mm. no sells it. Just absolutely brilliant. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, now you kind of said it there, like that you thought they might change it mid match. I came into this match thinking, oh, this is the most obvious result ever. The bucks are clearly going to beat these guys. This is just like happening. Cause it'll be a fun match. But for me, the moment was when um, Eddie, like, gallows and anderson sharp you know they're going to show up at some point yeah, yeah, yeah. they do eddie like just dives off the apron at gallows <laughs> and then frankie kazarian comes out of nowhere gets giant monster pop and takes out anderson anderson on the stage and then you've mm. got mox and matt alone in the ring and of course as we said this match has been all about the bucks being able to successfully take down mox and eddie by double teaming and now it's a singles match between Matt Jackson and who is a you know a very good wrestler but against John Moxley and you at that moment the crowd is just going mental they're at a fever pitch when Frankie yeah. shows up and, and I was just thinking they're going to switch the title here they're just going to do it or they're going to call it in the ring because it just makes so much sense to do it <laughs> at this point did um, you got swept up like me didn't you yeah yeah for sure like I went into this match genuinely not sure i know you said like it was predictable whatever but i i genuinely wasn't wasn't sure and it was probably because i was getting too much into the romanticism of like what i really wanted to happen versus mm. maybe like, what the company that's a great place re- to be though isn't it i know i know i wish i could be <laughs> like that for everything um but yeah like i just got completely swept up with it um like again the moment uh, mox and eddie came together as i said earlier in that promo after revolution um i was like i want these guys as the tag team champions uh, and i want them to like you know i want them to have a great run and and then i started actually seeing them have matches and stuff and i love their little finisher which they uh which they created which they used quite early in this match which i think was a good way to like, get a little <laughs> yeah yeah it was a great way to kind of like because that's such a great move it needed to mm. be in the match but like maybe i don't know it could have been a, a really really great near fall um but uh, it's whatever um but like and like they had a couple of matches on dynamite which were maybe a little bit quicker and stuff but like i was just like these are so fun and like imagine these but like a little bit longer and stuff and both guys are so so good as well like and i had a little dream that we could get like mox and eddie versus ftr or something like that and i thought that would that would have been great in many in many ways in similar ways to this match like the team versus two individuals i think when we're talking about like uh, a tag team who really show themselves as the best team unit. I think FTR are like the best at doing that because they don't necessarily get in the ring and do everything. It's like those quick tags and stuff like that and isolating their opponent. If they had like Eddie in the corner there and they're beating down him and that Mox is there mm. on the 
a thing where, uh, but FTR aren't breaking any rules. They could do a face versus face match. They could do that now mm. really, really well. I would love to see. Uh, anyway, th- I had all these little dreams going on in my head, and I think <laughs> I just I just got swept up by them ultimately. Which again, it's yeah. like the best place to be as a fan. Um, yeah. But yeah, dr- going into it, I was like, the Young Bucks probably will win, but I was probably like seventy thirty. So it was like, yeah, they probably will win, but I'm I'm gonna you know. I'm gonna have my fun, and if if, if I thought at the time is if if AEW are being smart, they'll have Mox and Eddie win, and you know because it didn't happen, I can still pretend that I was right, um, even though like everything we got afterwards with the Young Bucks was so fantastic. So mm. you know, and yeah, but Mox and Eddie like having that tactic, it's still one of my dreams that I want to happen at some point. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where like in the match then like. I convinced me like I was I went from 70 30 mm. young bucks I was like to 50 50 and then mm. that same moment you spoke about I was probably 70 30 the other way like they're yeah. gonna do it and yeah the, these I guess these are the matches you want to book because regardless of the outcome you can't really say like if you're looking at it objectively from the perspective of you know this the company booking or whatever it's like yeah e- either one you probably could have gone with and it would have been great mm. um so you couldn't really argue with either outcome, but you want one where, and this is where like it really, really like where I really think they did well. It's like it was that babyface versus heel dynamic, which I think was just it was so perfect. Like you you said earlier, like the way these two just they kind of like they clash with each other perfectly, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got two guys who are both so likable as individuals, and then a team unit, which in tag team wrestling like the heels being like the the dominant force and. Uh, the kind of more of the unit whereas the baby faces tend to be more kind of like go off like the energy of the crowd or maybe it's like you know for example mm. if it's like top flight they'll go off their kind of exciting aerial athleticism mm. um for mox and eddie it's just like their <laughs> their brawling nature i guess it's mm. a completely different style but it's exciting for a different reason but it was like if you wrote like a textbook of how to do like baby face versus heel dynamics in tag team wrestling this would probably be it for me um mm. just because like the young bucks especially like were so so good at making you hate them and want them to mm. lose and they delivered enough moments where it was like you thought oh could it could it even earlier in the match like um mm. it, with moxie's first first hot tag i was like okay and like again that's me getting swept up and maybe someone who wasn't as invested maybe didn't think that much that much but yeah for me, like when it comes to that that dynamic that they had between them, it, mm. goes, it goes back to those things that I was speaking about earlier. It's those fundamentals, mm. which they just had. Like any any great wrestling story is going to have, any great wrestling match is going to have, and you'll have like the exciting moments, the spots and stuff on top of it. But like the things that make the really really great matches are when you've got a really really great dynamic, and mm. that is that is what they had like better than any. So, and I think when you've got that. And you've got the genuine possibility that mm. they could go this way. They could have this team win or that wrestler win. When you have those things, it's a recipe for success. And it's really, really mm. hard to fail. It's just so hard to actually just mm. pick that up out of nowhere. Like it's, it's you, you need the audience to be fully invested and you need them to believe that anything could happen. And if they don't believe... You need to make them believe within the match, as they did with you, for example. Mm. So, and and I think 
I'm not the only one like that because the crowd, mm. they're going absolutely mental. And I always say, like, the bad faith critique of the Young Bucks is their that they're spot monkeys, that they, you know, rely on cheap, you know, just their little spots, their moves, 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 moves. Mm. But for me, the secret and the secret source for the young bucks, the their secret recipe and their their um their their superpower is their ability to pace and structure a match in a way mm. that it hits a crescendo. Um and when this hits the crescendo with as as we said, like Frankie coming in and, and making that giving yeah. them the giving mocks the chance uh it's that's when they get into the final stretch and that's brilliant because that's mm. when the crowd is at its peak uh and so of course that's when they're hitting their ending mox gets matt in a rear naked choke but has to let it go because nick comes in there's you know a lot of near misses on finishes at this point at one point mox and eddie get, go for the violent crown um but as mox goes to the outside mm. uh, he gets pulled off and then in, in turn, Nick and, and Matt go for the Melter Driver, and this time Nick is the one that's pulled off uh, on the on the outside. A little bit later, Moxley is going back and forth with Nick Jackson, and there's this brilliant moment where um, he gets him just up for the paradigm shift, yeah. uh, and Nick Jackson flips out of it. It's a brilliant reversal, like an yeah. absolutely brilliant last-minute, last, minute, last gar- gasp reversal from Nick Jackson. And then... He, Nick actually gets hit by it properly, and Matt has to dive in and interrupt it. And then in the end, Eddie gets taken out. They do a go, like, mental on Mox. Mox <laughs> is, like, trying valiantly to take them all on at once, but they're just doing this, a series of super kicks at him. He's getting fired up, but at the same time getting beaten down, beaten down. And then they hit him with four consecutive BTE triggers. They don't even go for pins in the, in between it because they know that this – like they they sell the toughness of John Moxley and how hard they have to hit him to keep him down. They hit four consecutive BTE triggers and the Bucks can finally pin him and get the victory. What did you think of that ending stretch, Gareth? Yeah, uh, just before you, you say that, you said something about the Young Bucks was like the spot market criticism. And I wanted to address this because this match is like the perfect match to show someone who thinks that because there aren't really like, there are like there are spots in it, obviously, like as there are in any match, but it's like they're they clearly feel not completely organic. Yeah, and they're clearly not done just to pop pop the audience. Although, like, like there are a lot of things. The things that pop the audience in this match are the kind of like uh, every the hot the hot tags. <laughs> well, yeah, everything. But the main <laughs> things like the peaks, like the hot tags, and like you said, that moment where you thought, okay, they've cleared out uh, the Good Brothers. And Nick's not in there. It's just Mox and Matt. And, like, again, that's when the crowd really rise to their feet. I remember, like, there are a couple of moments, actually, where you just see the crowd just stand up. <laughs> like, mm. You see them because they're like, oh, crap, something's going to happen here. And it's like, it's not that something happened in terms of a spot. It's that it they're so invested. Um, so, yeah, this isn't the only match you can show them. But I think it probably is the best example of it because, like, even in the um, the steel cage match, for example, there are loads of different spots in that which a bad faith critic would point at and be like, oh, they're just spot monkeys or whatever. In this match, I don't think there's really, there's not many if there's any. Like, like uh, there's the melter driver to the outside, but that's just their finisher, really. Like, like it's not really like, um, it's not. And like they're not having to. The the difference is like I guess the thing with this match is there's at no point are they like searching around to make sure they're in the right 
right part of the ring to do their spot everything flows so perfectly um and so when they do go for these moments that are obviously they've worked out in advance when they do go for them it it feels organic and it doesn't there's never a moment where they're like looking around or they're obviously moving so that they're in the right place to hit you know what they need to do they're just always there automatically because it's just flowing organically yeah exactly um yeah i just wanted to address that just because it was like this is just a perfect match to show that but um in regards to the finish i i love the finish so much um i remember like thinking um on rewatching it because you've got eddie kind of just there like on the outside kind of helpless and it kind of reminds me of titanic when jack drowns because it's like <laughs> he just can't do anything <laughs> he just yeah. he has to go like i mean he yeah. could just get on and they could you know but oh, i don't know maybe it's, it's a lot easier when you're freezing in the middle of the atlantic ocean but um but yeah that it kind of just reminded me of a moment like that it's like proper like those are the spots if we're going to talk about spots those, those are the spots that i really get invested in and I, I really love personally it's like if you're comparing it to like movies and stuff like a great action scene or a great a great quote from like in, in a movie those are great but like it's those moments that really kind of like hit you because for me when i saw them hit the uh the bte trigger and then they hit it again <laughs> and eddie's just there on the outside like laying out i just it was like i came like off this massive high it's this like complete dump but in a good way like in a way of like you know i, I didn't i wasn't depressed i was just like really it's like when you, your sports team the roller coaster finished yeah exactly exactly and it's kind of like you can it's just like ah okay (laughs) it's it's more just like i I went through all the stages of grief in about two seconds and just reached acceptance Uh, (laughs) or not necessarily two seconds within that throughout that um (laughs) actually yeah this is a good analogy because throughout that um those those final they did the super kicks and then they had the bt triggers and stuff it was kind of like denial, like I knew this is the end, but I was like denying it. And then slowly I went through different things. And then when they hit the final one, they went for the cover. I was just like, I was like in my head, there was probably a split second where I was like still in, in re- rejecting it. Like he's going to kick out a one. And then when he did <laughs> kick out one, it was acceptance. Cause like if he was going to kick out, it would have been a one. And they already did that spot anyway. So yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, for me, like it's one of my, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but and I'm going to be hyperbolic again, but it's one of my favourite finishes to a match ever. <laughs> because, it, again, it helps when you're just invested. I get for someone who maybe wasn't as invested, they may not feel the same way I did. But for me, it was just like, if you're going to have a match where the heel wins, this is exactly the feeling you want the audience to have. Um, and that's exactly how I felt. Um, like I said, it was like it's like a, a film with like a sad ending. It's like mm. that's how I felt afterwards. You talk about like putting. I just love the exclamation point that the beat the the four BTE triggers is on the end yeah. of this. You know, it's not enough that they've got to do it once or even twice, and they don't even try. It's not even like try once and forget the pinfall. They're just so. I guess they know how how intensely they've had to fight, how dangerous John Moxley is. And they're like, we have to end this now. And we're yeah. just going to do, we're going to absolutely obliterate this guy 
as hard yeah. as we possibly can, um, and that's by doing it over this move that has just one has put everyone else out. We're going to have to do it four times on him, um, yeah. and you know it, it makes Moxley look like an absolute monster that they have to do that to him, uh, and it it puts those guys over. It makes them look smart for just deciding that that's what they had to do, smart and ruthless. Uh, even even though they are these like flamboyant pricks who were you know jumping at the site, you know Cutler popping a champagne <laughs> bottle in the build to this, um, you know and getting getting prissy about these multi thousand dollar shoes that they've had stolen off them. In the end, they are ruthless in the way that they're able to get the job done. Uh, and I love the exclamation point on the end of this match. Yeah, I think I think the ending is fantastic. Um, it's it's it's. Just overall, as I said, like a really great story uh, and and just the most pure distillation of a team beating up, like being able to be stronger than two individuals um, mm. that I've personally ever seen in wrestling. Um, there, there's probably, you know, a match in the 80s where Hogan and Savage, you know, get beaten Actually, no. They never, they never would have lost to <laughs> whoever the the tag team champions were in WWE, uh, WWF at the time. But like, I don't know. This was just such a, a pure um, story of that, and I loved, I loved how much, how how dedicated it was to that that psychology, mm. uh, and I loved how perfectly they were able to pull it off. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me of what you're saying there about like. They had to do something. They had to go above and beyond. It mm. kind of reminds me we spoke about um, Brody Lee versus John Moxley as well. It's that that's probably a finish I like a little bit more than this one. Um, yeah. Just because like obviously you had the spot where they go through the stage and then he comes and hits the paradigm shift and then like eventually he has to do the bulldog choke and Brody just kind of like <laughs> just like mm. just can't fight anymore basically. Um, yeah. So that that's I think Moxley tends to be very good at these. The one with Wheelie Utah as well. He's very good at putting people over uh, and um, and then but eventually beating them anyway. So I guess he knew exactly how to have that done to him. Yeah. And obviously the Bucks are very good at it as well. Mm. Um, the so, one with Eddie yeah. Kingston, funnily enough, is another great example of that. Him exactly. Like telling yeah. Eddie that it's over while he's yeah. you know strangling him out with barbed wire. Yeah, Moxley is like he. I think he really understands that like finishes and stuff. New Japan are very good at finishes, but from like an action perspective, sometimes they have some really good like um kind of emotional finishes as well. But I think Moxley like really does like he really understands that the finish is the end of the story. And sometimes I watch a match and the finish is the end of the match. Mm. And I think that's one thing that really separates Mox, especially in these big matches. Mm. Is where he really like shines. Is he's probably one of the better one uh, wrestlers at, at doing a finish, which really kind of I always feel like I've been through something and I felt something after a Mox mm. match. Which sometimes with Okada matches, as great as some of them can be, mm. it's just Rainmaker and done, or like uh, ending mm. sequence Rainmaker and done. And I don't really feel anything more than that. And I think Mox just has a way. And again, like, mm. it's not it's not saying like obviously that makes him a better. I, I don't want to get into that discussion or like that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to. This is where Mox, I think, really, really 
is fantastic. And this match was an example of that. Brody was, Eddie was, like you said. There was one with Derby as well. There's yep. countless. Even even like the you know the Brian Cage, Taz has to throw the towel in. Yeah. Um, thinking like the Lance Archer finishes, how that's kind of like continued yeah. to go above, and even when he lost. Yeah, that's a great call. And even I'm just even thinking about it now. He always finishes his promos with a killer final line. Yeah, Every he knows how to leave you. Like he, yeah, man. I'd never thought about that before, but you're right. He knows how to put an exclamation mark on something. So, mm. yeah, great call there. Uh, I guess moving into the uh, moving into like I guess the legacy portion of the show where we talk about you know the the legacy of the match and how it holds up historically. Um, obviously, both of us massive fans of this, but we'll have to get our less subjective hat on and maybe <laughs> try and be a bit more objective on this <laughs> thing. Uh, when we did the original match guide list, um, this is the 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 first match guide list we did. This one came in tenth. Actually, I think I said ninth earlier. It actually came in tenth. <laughs> uh, it came in tenth. That's ahead of a lot of very well-regarded matches. But in terms of tag matches, it was behind, of course, Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks. Uh, also behind the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros, their ladder match. And behind FTR versus the Young Bucks, which came in at ninth. Um, you know, but ahead of a number of well-remembered and well-thought-of matches as well, um, particularly singles matches, this was actually Eddie Kingston's highest-rated match and uh, John Moxley's second-highest-rated match in the original first, uh, the first edition of the match guide. Uh, do you think tenth is? A little bit high. Does it hold up? Did did recency bias play a part in the ranking of this so highly? Of course, we did the original list straight after Double or Nothing 2021. Um, so was recency bias a factor? Um, do you think like historically this this match has aged as well as say you know something like Moxley versus Brody Lee um, or Cody versus Chris Jericho from Full Gear 2019? Just pulling you know two of the the two of them out that are that are close in that you know 15 to 10 area yeah it's interesting because when you told me it was well you told me it was ninth <laughs> and yes. then i looked at it and i saw that it was 10th and i was like i'm not gonna bother correcting you but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but when i saw that it was 10th um i was a little bit surprised just because i wasn't sure whether like again i would have had it in the top 10 i would I, for me it's my i think it's the second best tag match that aw have had um for, for the reasons we've gone over in in this podcast um and it's not just because it was like at a good time and stuff but also like i think like if you if you strip the context of the show it was on and like the crowd and stuff it was still a really really well worked match and for me like i'll i'll get invested in those matches more than ones like I don't want to call it like best friends versus problem powerful. That's in its seventh. I don't want to call it a spot first because it's not, but it's much more just action heavy. The build to that was atrocious. I think like there's only things. Mm. And, but then it was like this explosion at the end, which was just fantastic. That's like an action movie to me. Mm. Moxley and Kingston versus the young bucks is like something. I don't know what a genre I'd compare it to, but I got really invested in it. Like genuinely invested. Um, and again, subjectively, I would have it much higher even objectively, I would have it higher. I think you could make an argument with Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros just because that was it had a lot of the things that this match had with it within that as well. I just preferred the one with Moxley and Kingston personally. Although, but like I think when I've done like 
I, I can't remember what I've, how I've like ranked it when I when I submitted my mm. thing, but like that's where I sit today. But I am very mm. close on them, so I've probably flip flopped on that. And like, mm. yeah, they're yeah, both, look- they're both fantastic basically. But getting to getting to the actual point, <laughs> um, I am surprised it was that high, but I don't think it's out of place. If, mm. if, if you get what I mean, I'm surprised because it doesn't seem to get talked about that much. It doesn't get talked about as much as uh, Cody versus Brody Lee, um, mm. Omega versus Moxley, although, although that one's the Revolution one. Um, Moxley versus Brody Lee as well is one that I, I I could make an argument that that, that could be higher. Like, mm. but I think <laughs> another one of the issues <clears throat> with this list and why it's not with the list, but with like when you're deciding the list, is it so hard because all of these matches are so good that it's like hard. What's to your rank problem them. with my list, Gareth? <laughs> but no, but the good thing about the list is that it kind of gives you a consensus from a lot of different people and kind of gives you somewhere where you can rank them. Subjectively, you could shift things around, but like, yeah, I think I, oh, what I'm going to say is I don't think the list lies. You know, um, mm. there might have been a bit of a bit of recency bias within it, as mm. you know. There are a couple of well, there's three double or nothing matches. Um, oh no, one of them's from one of them's Cody versus Dustin. So there's two in the top <laughs> ten. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's 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 maybe maybe there is some recency bias there, but I'm here a year later and I think I like it even more than I did at the time. Mm. Like looking back, it's one of the fondest things. And again, maybe a lot of that is subjective, and it's hard for me to like remove. Mm my subjectivity in this because it's a match i feel mm. so strongly about um yeah so m- maybe maybe i am being not as mm. objective as i would like to be or whatever as or as i should be whatever but mm. like kenny mega versus pack is above it and as great mm. as that match was i don't think there's any I, I wouldn't enjoy that match going back and watching it anywhere near as much i don't think there's anything anywhere near as much as you can invest in the technical mm. wrestling is a lot better um there's de- there's better spots in that one if you want to talk about like spot fest and stuff like that and you know i love pack and i love kenny so mm-hmm. like that was one of my favorite matches aw's ever done but i think re- when i've revisited matches and stuff i revisited um kenny mega versus john moxley as well for uh, i did that with um god what's Wild his name joey doherty yeah that's it yeah um so i did that on his podcast which is all about john moxley you should go check that out if you haven't if you like John Moxley, um, have you been on that? Surely, yeah. What? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was on the first episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. But like, for example, I went and revisited that. I I enjoyed revisiting this match a lot more than I did that one, not because it was bad at all, but so for me, I'm going to argue it should be higher. Mm. And I, you know, that's <laughs> being that's yeah, being biased. The list doesn't lie, is what I'd say. Mm. The list doesn't lie. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think I, it stands up. Mm. I, I would say just just quickly and you may be surprised by this and we can talk about this afterwards maybe offline but i don't actually like kenny omega versus john moxley from full gear 2019 <laughs> like that's that's a match i really don't like even though it's you know my two favorite wrestlers pretty much of all time at this point uh but look i'm not going to disagree with you that the list doesn't lie because it's my list and it absolutely <laughs> never lies it absolutely tells the, the whole truth what i'd say about this match like historically and I don't think it's talked about as much. I think it's a real high point for the Young Bucks reign. For me, it's my mm. favorite match of their reign. I think most people would probably say the Lucha Brothers match at All Out was their favorite. I think I one agree, thing yeah. I'm finding with like thinking about things historically is a lot of the time, the ma- particularly the matches that like have a long-lasting impact are the ones where there's like a substantial change in the characters. 
um, and the ones that are kind of like remembered the most uh, will often have like a change in the characters or the division or like some sort of big universe changing event or wrestling changing event that can like people can hang their hat on. Uh, and this didn't really have something like that. It was a massive high point, of course, um, but it it didn't really have anything like that. After this, the Young Bucks kind of just went along. Their characters remained the same, uh, and they went along and they continued to dominate the division as they had in the lead up to it. And John Moxley and Eddie Kingston kind of uh, went and continued on their merry way, not necessarily tag teaming together all the time, but, you know, maintaining an alliance uh, and continuing to be you know just generally awesome uh a generally awesome act um but you know for for neither of these acts did this really have like a long-lasting impact on their presentation uh, or their trajectory trajectory in the company um which i think is probably why it doesn't necessarily i I think if we took the same matches that ranked in the first list and re-ranked them i don't think this would end up as high as it did um for that reason just because I don't think people remember it quite as much for that reason. Um, That's just my take, as I said, I guess, trying to read other people's motives and and thoughts and the historic, I guess, analysis and remembrance of of great matches and and why something that obviously, as we said, like Meltzer gave this 4.75 on cage match. It's, you know, in the high eights uh, and and it did really well in the list. So, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not just us that have um, the guys that – you know, voted in this original list, like the 30 people or so that did, that that have that opinion. Uh, I had that opinion at the time, but I guess I'm just trying to, I guess, put my finger on on what, you know, what where I feel like this match is historically and why it is that way. Um, yeah, but, I think um, just quickly to jump in on that, like, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a fair point. And like, if you if you if you did it now, for example, um, obviously you've been asking for the last years ones but if you did at all time AEW again this would probably rank somewhere maybe top 20 top 25 oh, i don't I think you get that high honestly i think it'd be in the 30s maybe maybe yeah. but I, I, I don't know like i think like when you speak to people about this or when they, when it comes up in, like on twitter or whatever people will have like very very fond memories of it and that's mm. what i think like it's it's one of those matches which i think like maybe in like 10 years will be even more like because people have like that nostalgia around that and it was a great time and people will remember that um and they won't even necessarily remember the match because like when i think of like matches from like unless i go back and rewatch them i'll be like oh the nostalgia of that match then when i go back and watch it it was maybe i've actually just like it's it's a it's aged better in my mind because of time because and then i actually go back and watch it but i think this is it's the thing like when um when hangman and uh, Brian Danielson had their draw. Um, I was among various people saying like, oh, you know, draw wasn't wasn't the right result. And as it played out, I think it, it made for a great story that built into a second great match. And I would probably always take, or would I? I don't know. A lot of people would take two 4.75 matches over one five-star match. I think if Hangman just wins it there at the end, I think that not in a not in a weird contrived way of like um oh the final three seconds and he's just got the count just in time not like that <laughs> but in the last minute where it's like we've got a minute left and then there's a rush and he manages to hit it and win i think that is a perfect match and i think if moxley and eddie win here i think it is a perfect match and i think people put this top five and it's one of those things where it's mm. like 
the winner of something or like you said whether there's a historic moment surrounding it those will like skew people's minds just because it jumps out easier and you think it like that for example the lucha bros with young looks i don't think it's much better if it's all better than this match i think there's a conversation to be had but, but because that's where the change happened and stuff and the lucha brothers everyone loves the lucha brothers it's where a huge moment happened for them it's it's naturally people are just going to think about higher just because a bigger thing happened around it mm. so there is like one of those things um but yeah in terms of like would people vote it higher they probably wouldn't but for me my where i think it actually when you actually go back and rewatch it i think it's one of the matches which really stands up in terms of like the actual art of what they're doing really really mm. stands up better than quite a few of the ones ranked above it um in, mm. in in the list and again people will vote for things for different reasons but for me i'll always just vote on like what i think is the best and and based on based that on like the actual art of mm. it rather than the feeling in the moment that's partially why i think like Britt baker versus thunder rosa is so high like i don't think um it's necessarily the most incredible match um but it's one of these things where you just invested in it and it was mm. so easy to get behind. And that's why I love that match so much. And that's why I'd always rank that one so highly. Um, mm. When in the grander scheme of things, there wasn't a title on the line. There wasn't a huge moment. Uh, there was obviously significance surrounding women's wrestling and stuff. But yeah, just wanted to like reiterate that. Like I know I'm being very biased and like putting my subjectivity into it a lot. I, I want to make that clear. But yeah, yeah. Um, I do think when people go back and rewatch it, it is one which I think it would stand up more than people think it does, if you mm. know what I mean. Well, look, I'm not going to say anything further because I think you've summed it up very well there. Okay. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a great match. It's something that if you want to, it's only like 15, 16 minutes long. It is a, yeah. it is a short, it is a sprint. It is a rollicking good time definitely worth a rewatch if you're if you're keen to to go back and relive just a, a moment of absolute united joy um for wrestling fans i think when when crowds came back um right across the spectrum of wrestling fans um it was it was just a, a time of utter joy and happiness and, and this match was right at the center of that and one of the big high points for for double or nothing 2021 for sure uh i've got nothing further to add gareth um do you have anything further to add? And if not, please tell the good people where they can find you. No, I've got nothing more to add. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gareth underscore EW. Although I'm going to, I'm going to start pushing more on my at Eno underscore wrestling account. I'm just going to be doing more kind of, I've been thinking, of, uh, I won't explain it on the podcast. I'll explain it to you afterwards, but I want to bring more positivity basically to the wrestling community. And, um, I want to do that on my, because, yeah, basically you can find me there. I'm going to be pushing out more stuff to do with, like, more positive um, and enjoyable, not necessarily just positive in a toxic way, but enjoyable tweets and eventually content when I get get the time to, to do that as well uh, on YouTube. And I'm going to do it on TikTok as well, but I haven't set any of that up yet, so this is pointless to tell you. But, yeah, just go follow the at, you know, underscore wrestling account, um, or if you care about me personally, at Gareth underscore AW. But yeah. And congratulations. You're the first person on this podcast to promote a TikTok. So join <laughs> you for that. I'm a I'm a 33-year-old dad. I ain't got no time for that shit. Twitter's enough. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, that's TikTok was the one where I realized I am definitely old because I yeah. have no interest in this new social media thing that's come up. Um, yeah. I am fine just the way I am. Thanks. <laughs> I'll keep it the way I will. Uh, but you can find me if you, yeah, if you, I, I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts, um, on where they would rank this match historically. So if you yeah. do have those thoughts, please hit me up on Twitter at, at sir underscore Samuel. Um, or you can always email me sambrownmedia at gmail.com. And as I said, at the start of the program, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to here today i would love it if you would rate or review uh on the podcast app that you're listening on and you can you can support us financially there's a link in the podcast description on how you can do that through red circle either by an ongoing monthly donation or a once-off and that just goes to paying the bills mostly for hosting uh, and some equipment if we need it um you know we're not making a mozza here or anything like that um it just goes to support that uh and also, why not tell a friend? Tell a friend about this podcast. Invite them along. Tell them to have a listen. Tell, Find a match that we've reviewed here from AEW with their favorite wrestler in it um, or that, that, that's their favorite match. And tell them to give it a listen uh, and, and help – Let's help build this movement. It's been great to see the support that I have been getting and that the second list has got. Uh, it's been fantastic to see all that. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to have more of you along for this ride and keep building this, uh, you know, great community we've got going. And uh, with that, I will be out. We'll be back again next week for reviewing another great AEW match. Um, and I cannot wait to do that. And I cannot wait to see you guys. Thank you, Gareth, for being on today. And thank you for listening. I'll see you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.